everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods, and I am here with my buddy Dylan Shore, who's keen to play the game. Dylan, what is the game? What are the rules to the game? Tell me uh, more about that, this game. I mean, I don't think there are really any <laughs> rules, uh, but uh, the game, the movie, is... David Fincher's 1997 film with Michael Douglas and Sean Penn, where they're brothers. Uh, Michael Douglas is the wealthy businessman. Sean Penn is the black sheep of the family. And as a birthday present for Michael Douglas, Sean Penn gives him a business card saying, go to this place. I'm telling you, it will change your life. And he does. And shit gets crazy. <laughs> His life gets changed, that's for sure. Yep. Before we unravel the rules to the game, do you want to talk about some other uh, cinematic escapades? What have you been watching? I only got a few. I've done a bunch of rewatches, but nothing like too special. Sure. Uh, but I went and saw Free Guy, the new oh, okay. Ryan movie didn't really care for it <laughs> uh it's just not my kind of movie yeah, I, I, I see why like gamers and nerd people like gamer nerds love it but uh not my kind of movie at all are you uh, a, gamer? a few funny a few funny moments but like taika's villain character taika watiti's villain kicker is just i get it he's over the top villain but like it was just annoying okay. like really annoying yeah uh, um i'm not saying like it wasn't enjoy like it was a very easy watch but like just it's already out of my memory <laughs> fair enough fair enough yeah and yes i do play games but like i i don't game hard like my favorite types of games are open world story driven not go just straight up shoot them up player versus player that's not my type of thing yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I never play video games on the internet, but I do like video games from time to time. Yeah, like Red Dead Redemption 2 might be one of the greatest video games ever made. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I played a little bit of it on Game Pass, and then it's no longer on Game Pass. And also, a little slow for me to get into on the uptake. Oh. I was a little bit like, I don't know if I have the patience for all of this. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, a, it's about just living in the world. Like, just take it slow just do what you want it's it's brilliant i love Fair it enough. i am into platformers that are like generally a little bit weird so especially like the indie ones if there's some kind of <laughs> oh, i don't know chase the magic feather or listen to the mystical ox that kind of shit i'm i'm all on board there's a new game coming out and i don't think it's for xbox or playstation i think it's only like a pc game i i could be wrong on that but it's called stray and you play as a stray cat just like <laughs> roaming the alleyways in the world and it looked just like i want to play this <laughs> sounds like that damn goose game yeah yeah it it totally is right on <laughs> all right well that's video game corner than, it looks better than the goose game like it looks like a like a like a real world type of game Fair enough. I didn't love the Goose game. Yeah, I, I've only played it once. It That one's fine. It's fun. Like <laughs> if you're drunk with a bunch of people. That's the venue for that, for sure. Yeah. For um, sure. 
And then I watched Respect, the Aretha Franklin biopic. Of course. Um, I- it's disappointing. Oh, no. Yeah, like there's some good performance, but there's there's also some really bad performances and it's just a mediocre biopic. Biopics, it's tough, man. They're just tough. Yeah. Um, like obviously the music's amazing and Jennifer sure. Hudson can truly sing and she does have some great moments in it, but also has some over-the-top moments. But I will say, I think Marlon Wayans is a great actor. He gives one of the hammiest performances I've ever seen him do. Interesting. It's nuts. I, I don't know the character he's portraying, if he, like, really talked like this. I, I'm, maybe he did, and, like, Martin was just, uh, or not Martin, uh... Sean? <clears throat> no. <laughs> Marlon? Damon, Marlon, Marlon Wayans. Uh, maybe he did his homework and like that's how this guy actually talked and like his physicalities and everything. But it just seemed super hammy and over the top. Well, I mean, it smacks of. I mean, what you're describing sounds like actors doing the guy or yeah. buying into that specific tick, but. Mm. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I'll mention is a rewatch that I've seen many, many times. And I think we might have mentioned it before. Uh, the Skulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've definitely talked about the Skulls in, in some capacity. Somehow. Uh, man, that movie is insanely awesome (laughs) it's so crazy and it ends with a duel like a modern day (laughs) yeah sure it does because after the like the showdown at that weird crypt and paul walker has to i don't know it's been a while he's like questioning him in the cage and he's like what's your biggest regret caleb huh huh what's your biggest fear yeah, it doesn't like the guy fall down or off of the ledge. Isn't that how that thing ends? Well, that that's how that whole cage thing starts because Joshua Jackson's best friend is jealous that he's a part of the skulls and he's trying to learn more right, about the right, skulls. Right. So he's been like stalking Paul him. Walker's initiation book and go and the key to the war room. That's right. And then Paul Walker confronts him in the war room. And they chase each other, and then like he like falls off like a twenty foot thing right. onto his neck, but he's uh, still alive. He's not dead. And uh, Shooter McGavin comes in and fucking breaks his neck. <laughs> oh shit! I forgot about that part. Yep, it's all you see it all on like security cam footage. They're watching it yes. uh, in like some friend's dorm. <laughs> i might love that movie it sounds kind of oh no i totally love that movie it's so bad but it's it is like it obviously was made in 99 released in 2000 but it feels so much like 90s teen thriller movie and i thought i remember seeing it in theaters on my birthday actually at like a late screening with my brother and his girlfriend (laughs) and no one else was in there and i was up at the front of the theater doing chris farley routines for them (laughs) (laughs) like before the movie started (laughs) yeah 
Well, I mean, even if uh, it had continued. It was during the movie. <laughs> yeah, that might have been better than what was on screen. But yeah, that's all I've watched. How about you? Yeah, I don't have a whole heck of a bunch of a ton either. I uh, caught up with one that you talked about, The Green Knight. Should we talk a little bit, Green Knight? I'm down. Okay, wait. Let's circle back to The Green Knight, because the only other one I'm going to mention, I'll just go real quick, is uh, the uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, from nice. was like 95 or something. Uh-huh. I just saw it. it was on sale, actually, on Apple, and I was like, I should buy this. It's a blast, man. I might do that. Do yourself a favor. It's totally worth the the go. It it's just like a fucking blast. That's all there is to it. Comedy horror, essentially. Yeah, and Ernest Dickerson is a real good uh, at making movies, and he makes the <laughs> hell out of this movie. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, I just realized I have one more movie that I did rewatch that I wanted. To, I just didn't write it down. That's why I didn't remember. What do you got? Uh, it was Tombstone. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. When uh, Mor- uh, Morgan gets fucking <laughs> killed, is that what you were doing? Why, when he sees Morgan get killed? Yeah, and he like starts blasting off in the river, just like mostly close up on his face. I, I think it was that scene. But uh, yeah, so uh, that movie is cool but it's also wickedly bad at a lot of moments too it's a very stylized western um uh and found out that the writer of the movie was actually the original director and came on and was shot like a week he shot the scene with charlton heston and it's still in the movie but uh this like the producers thought he wasn't getting the job done so they fired him brought on some fucking random dude that's made like some some shitty b movies and he he they're big movies though you would recognize them and but it's also val kilmer has also uh kurt russell has also said i directed this movie they just brought this guy on as like a a front like a like a like a dga credit yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to be labeled as the director of this movie. And Val Kilmer later on said, Kurt pretty much directed that movie. That tracks because <laughs> that movie loves Kurt Russell. And Russell, I love yeah, a yeah. movie that loves Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah. And Kurt really wanted to, he changed some of the script to focus more on him and Doc. <laughs> what? No, yeah. the two coolest characters? Why? Right? Oh my god, dude. Val Kilmer crushing it as Doc Holliday. Like, who gives a fuck if Doc Holliday really didn't have that southern draw of an accent? But Kilmer crushes it, so it works. It's just <laughs> one of the best performances on screen. It's so it's good. so good. Okay, I'm so sorry. But yeah, Demon Knight, and now are we going on to Green Knight? From Demon Knight to Green Knight, let's rock and roll. Yep, Beautiful. sorry guys. What do you say about you? You were big into this one, yeah? I really enjoyed it, absolutely. Uh, I still haven't seen it for a second time, uh, but uh, I liked it. It, there's, it just left me wondering and thinking about a lot of stuff versus just unfolding these events. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I fucking dug it. Like, um, go ahead, no, you talk about it first. 
I really liked it also. I sort of, at, at the end of it, the, the way that it moves through the last 30 minutes, I really didn't know how to feel about it. And at the very end of it, I was like, I don't know if I like that, but I'm really happy that it existed or it continues to exist. And then the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, no, I think I really did like that and uh, was impressed with how much it has to say and how well it functions as a silent film and how beautiful it is. And uh, as to what you're saying, that like, I really like the last 30 minutes of this. I like the whole movie, but those last 30 minutes really captivated me. I loved seeing what would have happened if he. <laughs> didn't go through with it and he went back home and because as far as everyone else knows he did complete it and he has to live with this lie he sells off one of his babies because it's from like a poor like a, a peasant woman essentially right. starts dating another uh seeing another woman has a kid that goes off to war dies in war uh yeah it just, squeezes we i don't want to do the whole plot because it squeezes an epic movie okay, yeah, for the I'm last 30 minutes it's it tells its own story so succinctly. And then when you cut out of that to him actually being like, no, <laughs> I, I'm gonna do it. I'm like, wow, interesting. And like, it very much played on like the, like an allegory of a soldier not wanting to go to war uh, and not wanting to be a hero. He doesn't want to go off and do that. So, uh, but he does do it. And it also says something to the point of like his mother sending him off. Like she's the one that started this whole uh, journey. She sent out that spell, which awakened the green knight to come. Right. So uh, there's like a lot to dissect from there. I need to see it again. Yeah, I uh, would be happy to see it again. Um, I think it says a lot about sort of self-determination and predestination and and honor and dignity and blah 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 I, I do think it's got a lot on its mind and is really adept at expressing those ideas that it's exploring you know and, and it's yeah. just purely gorgeous to look at like, it's really fun to watch yeah. man it's cool looking and it sounds i I found the score to be a little overwhelming, particularly up front. By the end of the movie, I think it settles down and I had settled in. But the first <laughs> half is a little intense for me. Hmm. Uh, I watched the director break down the scene of the Green Knight coming into the round table. And uh, the wide shot from behind King Arthur and Guinevere and watching him come in, it, the walls and around and above him of the Green Knight coming in on the horse is all matte painted. And there's even extras that are matte painted into this image. And it looks flawless. It looks so awesome. And I just want people to like, bring back matte paintings like I always love the look of them and when they're incorporated in the films into the proper way there's nothing like them it makes it feel more like a like you're entering this different world like it, things are slightly um off but they look real I, I love it I love that 
yeah, I, I suppose that same effect is at play with sort of practical effects and like the Green Knight itself and like the way that puppet rides in is super. It's not a puppet. It, that's that's the actor all done in makeup. He okay. was never a fake character at all. It's the guy, uh, the witch. It's the okay. dad. Okay, right on. Yeah, so sorry, I didn't mean to call him a puppet, but the the wild prosthetics and the wild prosthetics, the sound of him, like the wind hitting his branches and when he moves and he creaks and breaks like wood. Oh, I loved it. It sounded so cool. Yeah, that was really, yeah. Among many other super cool things that go on in that movie. Yep. Uh, My favorite line before we move on to the game is when he's, the giants are walking past him and he May I traverse the valley on your shoulders? <laughs> I don't know why. I just really love that one. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the fox saves him from the creepy giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that fox. That fox. Oh, that fox. All right, shall we get into the game? Let's play the game. What uh, is your relationship with the game 1997? um i saw this movie around fifth or sixth grade so like four or five years after it came out and i loved it my stepdad told me to watch it because i loved other fincher movies and i still love this movie it's definitely oh no it's not panic room's a little more campier than the game (laughs) but the game is still pretty campy but the panic room is like it's like a good b movie like there's a lot of B elements to that story and the visuals uh, stylization that Fincher does in it. The game feels more not so stylized. Like it's very um, set in a normal world. And this man is experiencing a bunch of shit around him where like panic room, the camera comes in and out of air vents and it's going all around the house, taking you through multiple floors very quickly, completely different of stylization. But uh, this one I think is really fun because it's still, uh, even though I've seen it so many times, like Michael Douglas commands this movie and he plays it so well like you're just like man all of this shit could be really happening to him and obviously it's called the game you know it's a game you see him set up this <laughs> game like you know it's there but it's just there's a belief that like maybe this is happening <laughs> okay first of all michael douglas is definitely in his lane as smug rich douchey yep. jerk man you know He's, uh, yeah, I really like him here also. Emotion that he goes through, like he hits peaks of emotion all throughout this movie versus other, like Gordon Gecko is a very one note, wealthy douchebag businessman. Sure. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, this movie puts him through things that Gordon Gecko never experienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's the main point I wanted to jump in on. Do you want to hear about my relationship with this movie? Yes, I do. Because it is a film that I, at one point, would have called probably one of my favorite movies just from seeing it over and over again, like on HBO, I assume. I, I know I've seen this movie a thousand times, but it's been 
10, 15 years since I've seen it at all. And oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the oh, first wow. time in quite a while. Yeah. So I just rewatched it with my buddy who hadn't seen it. And right on. he was like, it's not my favorite Fincher, but I definitely like it. I definitely like it. It's sort of like you're saying about Panic Room in terms of it being a program or just sort of like a a good B movie. I think my main problem with it is that it's over long and yeah, it is long. The it second long. it it's like 210 and if it were 90 minutes it'd be <laughs> kind of pretty awesome, you know. Um it also is and because it's too long it's boring and the second act drags and it's clearly a game the whole time it has to like and by the end the way that he's like buried in quote marks in mexico is like how what is this cemetery that he's in you know so at certain points him questioning it feels weird to me but that's lends a charm to it now that I maybe would enjoy at midnight, and maybe that's why I enjoyed it at midnight <laughs> in my in my youth. But I, it's for me, it's like a fundamental problem with like with these kind of movies. So I think it's fundamentally a noir, right? And once you've turned the knife like past the origin point more than once, even it's for me the suspense is gone well it's just like well anybody's anything and who cares what happened because now i'm just waiting for this movie to be over and for them to get to the point because it just there's no stakes for me you know and strangely enough there are stakes and i find myself i had a pretty bored i gotta be honest pretty fucking bored through the second act but generally engaged with that. And I think that does speak to the power of Fincher's filmmaking. And I'm not really a huge Fincher fan. I think if he were a great filmmaker, this movie would be 150. You know, I'll give him an extra 20 minutes because he's Fincher, let's say. But to, anyways, um, and it does some stuff that Panic Room does also with like, little cheeky kind of 911 play where when they call they're like well are, are you sure he's in the house or whatever that line is and i you know good on the 911 operator for doing it but it reminds me of the busy line in panic room where they're just like i i get that things happen but that's not great tension building in a movie you know see the i like fincher these are the two least of his uh, favorite of my movies of his uh zodiac is flaw i could watch a four-hour cut of zodiac yeah fair uh, enough i love that movie so much uh but um for this I, I agree with you from the time the shootout at the girl's house happens and they escape and then like him there's it lags like right after that and then like him in the cab like uh going into the water takes that part's cool but like in between that it kind of lags and then after that it lags um it yeah i definitely agree i think it could be cut to an hour 50 for sure you could cut 20 minutes of this movie uh it might i don't know actually uh, it's been a few days since i watched it so like I, but i definitely think there's something to be cut in there uh 
but uh, um, I'm trying to think. The ending, the ending of this movie works still a hundred percent. Every time, I love how crazy and campy the ending is. It's so good. It's so nuts, given what the actual stakes of this movie are. So, like the okay. I need a breath to unpack what this movie is asking us to believe. Just literally textually, Michael Douglas and Sean Penn's father committed suicide on his 48th birthday, right? And that's the like grainy footage that we're flashing back to. And we're reminded of this uh, during a phone call at one point early on. So Sean Penn's gift to his brother on his birthday is to make him relive his deepest trauma on his 48th birthday, which is like, okay, processing that is important. Imagine this thought once he hits the fucking airbag in the building and gets off. He's like, what the fuck? (laughs) I should be dead. What's going on? My brother's still here. Bro, I just tried to kill myself. Why am I having champagne? Yeah. 30 seconds ago, I thought to myself, my best option is I should die now. Happy birthday. What the? I love it. It's so crazy. It's so bonkers, dude. It's just as bonkers as Cruella having a parachute when she falls off of the cliff. Fair enough. Because, like, what are the people at dinner thinking? They're like in the middle of the restaurant. They're all extras. They're all set up. They're all part of his party. Because the the game extends so far. Yeah, it goes deep into the roots. It does, because otherwise people are just walking (laughs) in like, oh, it's weird. There's a giant balloon in the middle of the... I guess I'll have... I was actually trying to have like a really nice dinner tonight. Why is this fucking mattress in there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I read some cool trivia that originally before... uh, Sean Penn was brought on the role was actually a sister and it was going to be uh Jodie Foster and Jodie Foster ended up not wanting to play that part she wanted to play Michael Douglas's daughter for some reason which is not a character yeah and Michael Douglas and uh Fincher were like no 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 we're not going to do that and Foster dropped out and then they rewrote the character to a male. And it was supposed to, and they, they offered it to Jeff Bridges and then Sean Penn. Okay. That, <laughs> it's just a lot for me to unpack there, man. Cause I, I got to imagine these are very different versions of, uh, of the script of the draft. Uh-huh. You know? uh, Andrew Kevin Walker came in and did uncredited rewrites on the story too. Okay, good for, yeah, great. Yeah, so who knows what the original story was in there and what Andrew Kevin Walker changed. I feel like I, I was kind of surprised to not see a, a based on the, you know, short story this or the the film that. It, it, it really has the feeling of, like I said, a, a short story. Um, and because it's got the legs of a short story, 
mm-hmm. you know, for 20 minutes, you can sustain this plotting. I, I said it already. It, but you, it feels know. like it could be a Stephen King novella, like short story, like in one right. of his collections. That's it totally feels like that. Great. Feels something he, he would write. Absolutely. Totally. You know what else it feels like? The man who knew too little. Bill Murray. It's the same fucking movie, man. It's the exact same movie. Well, it the man is, who knew too little was it's based real. on the man who knew too much. And also, I don't. Sorry, I have a terrible. I don't even. I, I don't even know if that's a hundred percent true. Man, the fact that you just brought up the man who knew too little. <laughs> it's the same movie. It just is that in the man who knew too little, it's actually real, and Bill Murray thinks he's in a play. Yeah, it's the same year too. <laughs> oh wait, 90, yeah, no, 97. no, is it really ninety-seven, man? Yeah, movie... this cover, this VHS cover is just like stuck in my head. Him pointing his finger at the gun. No joke, because I, I saw it recently, and maybe I just had a bad transfer, but that movie looks like it was shot in 1973. <laughs> maybe it's, does it take place in the 70s? I was, <laughs> I was trying to decide, because it also mostly takes place in England, and... It's in the 80s. It's set in the 80s. Okay. Very and strange, it is a man. remake of The Man Who Knew Too Much, the Hitchcock film. Right on. Yeah, so presumably so is this because it's the same fucking movie. <laughs> you know? Oh. Anyways, always happy to see James Rebhorn. Yeah, even in a small part, him eating his Chinese food. <laughs> and being a doctor and... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got some stuff going I'm an actor. I'm an actor, man. <laughs> I'd be hired to play these parts. Um, I don't know. There's some good stuff in here. The I think the clown is like creepy as fuck and pretty good strangeness and a good way to start the game. But I also kind of hate the way that scene is structured because it it's that the one two that the movie's just constantly trying to pull of like, oh hey, sorry, we uh it's it's not real. Oh, one second later, it is real. Clearly it's going on, you know, and eh, I've said it. <laughs> you know what else is good? Huh. The music, I really, really actually like the music in this thing. And I think uh Howard Shore does not get enough credit. He's done some many good scores. He done real good work. Many. Um, uh, I'll liken this movie to A Christmas Carol. And grumpy Scroogey guy goes through a whirlwind of uh, of uh, stuff, and he changes his life after. <clears throat> I took that from the Criterion essay, by the way. <laughs> um, a grump <laughs> a whirlwind of stuff is such a strange way to describe an attempted suicide i just think it's such a bonkers ending man uh and not at all like i mean also Carol. i mean it's like um 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 a wonderful life like jimmy stewart about to kill himself fucking goes through this whole change of life seeing what his life would be without him this whirlwind of stuff and then he changes his life after but that's 
what centrally It's a Wonderful Life is about. And this movie not about him changing his life. <laughs> has it, it's barely a device, you know what I That's mean? Fair. Like we kind of pay some attention to it in the middle, or sorry, in the beginning, and then oh right, the reason <laughs> this is all happening is for this incredibly wrought emotional experience. It's whatever. I <laughs> if if it was uh, a shorter and punchier. This is my thing about every fucking movie, though. So what do I know? I would have been really, really into it because it is. It's such a bonkers ending. It's so. It is. Nuts. It's a crazy ending. <laughs> <laughs> uh, made some money though. Box office hundred nine. Made for seventy. Um. Yeah, man. I don't have a whole lot more to say on it. I would you play the game? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have to make some phone calls. Yeah, no, I'm good. I don't have the money to play the game. (laughs) I was gonna say, my wife's gonna be pissed that I'm out eight hundred thousand dollars or whatever this. It would cost such an insane amount of money, man. No, definitely (laughs) don't have the money to do it. What are those actors getting paid? Scale. They're not getting paid eight hundred. (laughs) <laughs> or they're not yeah they're not even making a million dollars off of this no no no, no no what the company has to go through like they have to put up all that money to make this world real set up all these houses with fake effects <laughs> fucking fake windows special <laughs> effects squids and no you know, like in the movies the part that really oh man it's i not i don't know is this movie asking me to apply logic to it because it's so stern you know what i mean it's so fisher plot holes that like that it doesn't fully give you everything you need like i think honestly they needed to make this movie a little more campier than make take it more seriously that's like, my thing because it, it's not that it, it doesn't give me everything it i need i get what it's doing here it's that it, yeah. it's asking me the same question over and over and, and over, over and again over. and yeah. it's like yeah bro we get it and so by the time we're at the the embassy in mexico and the dude's like, well, guess you better sell your watch and walk. I, I was like, hang on, did he just leave an embassy? That is, and I guess we live in a post 9-11 world because I'm just like, in what world did they allow the company? Well, right, so watching the movie now, it's insane to me. Oh, oh I see what you're saying. He walks into an embassy and there's a private company and they're like, nope, sorry, can't help you. And he just leaves it and they walks through the desert to cross the border on foot illegally. And I'm just like watching this movie in 2020 thinking about fucking ICE and goddamn the CIA. And I, I, it's not fair to apply it to that movie, but even still, I feel like if you're any human being on earth, and there's any bit of reality that the movie is asking us to engage with. When you go to the embassy and the embassy's like, fuck you. I mean, I guess what else do you do? But he doesn't ever seem to question these things or he only questions every other, whatever. It's not a great script. That is, I'm. That's fair. I'll give you that. It's definitely not a perfect script by any means. 
That's how you lose the game.